So for those of us who arrived uh, uh, six days ago, however long it was, five or six days ago, we're now entering the full, full flow, full wave of the retreat. I call it a wave because it, you know, you, physically you get here a certain time, but it takes a little time before you actually pick up into the rhythm of it. So it's like it comes in incrementally, you know. On, on paper it begins on day one, but, you know, it's it's like the tide coming in, you get a little bit more, a little bit more, and then then you're starting to get into the flow of it. And sometimes uh, it's, it takes a few days, sometimes it takes quite a while. And maybe in that flow, the, the flowing with the retreat, which to the degree in which we're doing that or able to do that. Then this particular form, so it's, it flows, it rises, it, it becomes more uh, coherent. You get in with the routines, the rhythms, the non-speaking, these changes, the metabolism, the getting up earlier, these things changing, getting into that. And then at a certain time, that wave dissolves, you know, we go back to whatever our other normal patterns are. Hopefully, we might have cleared or re- some of the defective ones, some of the pressurized urgency stress patterns. So, it's good to uh, use terms like this, it's slightly strange perhaps, but... Uh, Really, although we often use language in terms of, of fixed things, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, it's this, it's that. Really, we know when we look at it deeply, things just, there's no such thing as a separate thing. Everything flows into something else. When does Wednesday become Thursday? What's the difference between 11.59 and 12.01? <laughs> you know, so conventionally speaking, we use the language of fixed, separate things, but in reality, Things have a tendency to flow from one thing to the next, forming, morphing, changing. Feeling a little bit hungry, feeling very hungry, the hunger disappearing as we eat, and then not feeling hungry at all, and then that changes and you feel hungry again. So waves, patterns, doesn't it? Waves a bit. Waves of tiredness and fatigue. Then some are coming into some brightness, and then maybe the fatigue coming back again, brightening, that forming, waving. Feeling inspired, flowing, gradual feeling of gladness and inspiration, and perhaps dulling, flattening, getting bored, inspiration fading, and so that changes, and then perhaps seeing something else that can also lift us. So we, these various waveforms. Um, so this is the this is the the presentation of reality in in the Buddhist understanding. Is it's dynamic. It's a Nietzsche, it's impermanent, it's relative, it's inconstant, it's shifting. This is the basic presentation, understanding. There's no such thing as a thing. Everything is processed, some of them micro-processes of very brief flickering things, fluttering things, like a bird's wing, that movement, some of them long, slow processes, like the process of birth, moving, ageing, passing away, this long, slow wave of that but everything is changing everything is impermanent pretty standard thing except Nibbana yeah yeah. 
So we'll put that to one side. <laughs> but just, and then what's the name for this, the overall name for this dynamic process? All levels is Sankara. Sankara is the word for that. And it's, uh, of course, it's not that easy a word to translate. Sometimes traders formations, fabrications, which, yeah, there's truth in that. They sound a little bit um, fixed. The formation sounds like a fixed thing. It's actually Sankara is a dynamic. They're processes. They're the energetic processes of cosmos, of the psycho-physical, biological, botanical, whatever. Everything is in process, morphing from this to that, slowly, quickly. Stars arising, flaring, going big, grand, grandiose, red giants, and shrinking, expiring. You know, wave, wave form of millions, billions of years. <clears throat> Thought pop flies up, recedes. Sometimes the very brief ones, we think they begin and end because we can't see it clearly. You try and find the beginning of a thought. It sort of condenses out of certain shimmerings of, I think this. (laughs) And then it sort of dissolves. It goes, well, after all, it doesn't really matter. But we could say, you know, it started and ended, roughly speaking, but actually it condenses and evaporates. <laughs> you might say it's more like that. It's in dynamic. It's a sankara. The emotions. Suddenly, that's, that's, not, that's really nice. Oh, it's really, oh, I'm really glad to see you. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, let me kind of normalize into contentment. And then, you know, so it starts with a certain hinting. You see a friendly face, someone you know, and it starts to rise up. And then you meet someone, you feel very happy rises and then that cresting and then a dissolving again to something more contented or calm and, oh it's nice seeing so and so and then you move to the next thing so the emotions come in waves and floods sometimes quite choppy sometimes very violent surges of rage panic fear comes thudding in and the the more vigorous the the waves is the more shocked the system is if it's a very brisk, sudden charging impulse, if you're taken aback, you can register your body starts to shake. If it's very powerful, like panic, fear, strong surge of grief, and you, you know, you shake because it has an effect. It's holistic, has effect on the body, and so, you know, so the dynamics are really holistic uh, in that they affect body, heart, and even the way we think. You try and think straight in a panic. Yeah, and you can't, it doesn't happen, does it? It affects the way you think. So we, what we generally consider to be the optimal wave is something calm, but not totally numb, you know, because then there's no response, there's no wave, it's just frozen. So something's calm, it's calm, it's receptive, it's able to fluctuate and flow, respond, pick up suggestions, but it's not violent. We consider optimal because the thinking is clearer, our function is clearer, it's no wear and tear on the system. So calm, a calm waveform is definitely advocated you know, by people who look for our welfare. Yeah. 
was this, uh, this sort of postcard of a, a poster that, that uh, was created, I think, in 1939 when they're fearing an invasion of Britain. And this poster had the, uh, this, this red poster with the king's crown on it. And it said, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> so, you know, if you see some strange men walking around with helmets and jackboots and snapping out things in anger, don't worry, just keep calm and carry on. <laughs> You know, because that, that's the optimal, which is quite a good suggestion, actually. You know, <laughs> so that's what we need to do on a retreat: just keep calm, carry on. But uh, yeah, that's the suggestion. But of course, as as we come, even though in the retreat there's not a lot of exciting things presented, there's nothing really to fear, nothing to get upset about. There's nobody saying failure, get out of here. Um, something really feel anxious about, but as you as you sit and deepen, the, the old waveforms of what you brought in suddenly have got the room to express themselves because there's no new waveforms being created. Yeah. So the old sort of anxiety comes up, or the sadness, or the urgency, or the I can't do these complex waveforms there. Yeah. So these are things we review with insight look into them, and we also practice calming them, which is really a sympathetic quality, like, oh, there's the anxiety, oh, yeah, feels like this, how is it in your body, how are you with that, can you be in the presence of that without reacting, closing up, clamming down, proliferating about it, going through all the stories about it, just feeling that sense of nervousness, everybody feels this, and breathing in, breathing out, relaxing. So you, you know, you sympathetically. It's a sympathetic system. It's not a shut up, stop it, cut it out, snap out of it, pull yourself together, <laughs> kind of process. It's sympathetic. So where does the sympathetic comes from? It comes from the attitudes of basic sympathy towards what we experience in ourselves and in others, and then practices like. Uh, Benevolence, loving kindness, compassion. And it comes from the body, bodily energy of gently allowing the breathing in and breathing out that waveform to become apparent. And that's another wave, isn't it? The breath doesn't exactly switch on and off. It comes from a pause and it swells, it rises, it peaks, and then it subdues, it stops, pauses, turns, swells, arises, subsides. It's another waveform. All these are sankhara, all of it. Mm. And we look at ones we call skillful ones, are the ones that bring us into the optimal, where our system is not stressed, strained, uh, is able to effectively respond, is not overwhelmed, isn't reactive, doesn't tighten up, doesn't go numb. Mm. Looking for the optimal sankharas are the ones that bring us into these optimal condition there's uh, modesty non-violence sense restraint calming taking your time patience loving kindness you name it they're all there aren't they and then of course the necessary quality the necessary function of mindfulness bear it in mind stay with it pick up that theme pick up that sense 
register that sense when you're in the optimal or you're nearer the optimal or whatever it is or what's getting you there or remember, bear in mind what takes you there keep coming back to it time and time again because this is how we transform yeah. it means you have the possibility because these are waves you can actually generate new ones through putting energy repeatedly putting energy into helpful wave into helpful patterns so we continually do that yeah. mindfulness is to remember a wave such as generosity, loving kindness, patience remember that particular form as it arises not just as an idea but as a felt experience what's it like when I, when I am all the time in the world that giving of the heart when I have that benevolent quality what does that feel like in me what does it do in my chest, my throat, my face yeah, really live it hmm? so then you've got something quite. you can really take a photograph of that and bear it in mind you know your good. You know your good spaces. You know your good places. What is it? What is the feeling of honesty? Straight, no manipulation, as it is, clear, as clear as water, as pure as water. Just it's like that. You remember that, and you recognise the kind of murky, tangled, slightly dubious bits of froth and scum on it that sometimes can come out. <laughs> you remember that one, yeah. Which beautifies me, which is lovely. So, you know, there's also, so, so we start to be mindful, bear these in mind, acknowledge them, and keep coming back to them. What inspires them, what reminds us of them. The impressions of acts and deeds of others, of saints, of noble beings. Buddhas, of those who have realized for themselves. And this is an aspect of right view. As I say, right view is one of the foundations for mindfulness. It means there is that sense of bearing in mind the law, the principles of cause and effect, which means whatever you dwell upon and linger upon, become that dwelling upon and lingering upon it, that starts to create the particular form, the sankhara. So the fundamental sankhara formations are intention, which means how you direct, and attention, what you tend to, what you frame up, what you frame up, what your mind frames up and gets into. Yeah? So of course, in, in society, we can be framed up in the performance one. Get ahead, get working, get busy, get da-da-da-da. That frames up. You look at things in there, like, how much time have I got? Sorry, I'm late. This little thing on your wrist with numbers on it. Purely mechanical system, no sense of sympathy, doesn't give a damn about you. You know, when you die, it doesn't matter. Absolutely, it's nothing to it. You will, you are, belong to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's your Lord and guide. <laughs> you bow to it every morning. <laughs> Not saying you do, but people do. It's a social trend, isn't it? And yeah, functionally it makes sense. But to what extent does that continual mopping that functional mode to a sensitive organic system starts to create patterns? Yeah. I mean, it's just a drawback with any of it, with all of it, with all sankharas, even the good ones. They create patterns and then you start to form and, rigid and 
ossify inside that till eventually that becomes you. You become that driven being, you know, who's got to get on, who's got to get it, make it work, who's got to get somewhere, come up with result. Best thing is within the hour, preferably. A minute would be best, but we'll allow you an hour. <laughs> and you look at the end of the week, think, did you get your enlightenment? Okay, hands up. Oh, failures. C minus, bad handwriting, could do better. Slacked off. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, that's why we just put Nibbana to one side, because I don't think Nibbana's going to happen through that following that particular wave trend. Mm. Patterns. Patterns of performance. Patterns of eligibility, who's good enough. Mm. Competition, judgment, self-judgment. We get patterned into that. And you can also consider well in if you're if you're say your dominant experience from i don't know the age of eight seven or eight six five whatever it is onwards is one of competition make sure you get the a's whatever an a is you know somebody's going to award you an a or a star which tells you you are you know and somebody got a b isn't yeah so we want to get the A's, don't we? To feel good enough. So you get one A, and then 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 you go to the next class, and it's well now you've got the pot, the bars going up, and up, and up, and up. <laughs> you know. So, you know, the general feeling is, you know, not quite good enough. Not good enough. And the experience over time is you never get to the good enough. You know, say 15, there's still, still a bit further you could go. 20, yeah, that's quite good, but you can go further. 30, yeah, yeah, but you've got to last, make it last longer. Stay with it. 50, keep going, you're nearly there, you know. And then, then your waveform of your body starts to break up. <laughs> then we say, yeah, you never did make it, did you? <laughs> Another one. So the, the, you want to be careful of the performance wave and what that sets up. Yeah. How do we get motivation without performance? without that sense of being struggling and striving towards something? How do we get motivation? What's right effort? Hmm? Why, do we, why do I say Buddhism begins with feeding the ducks? Feeding the ducks takes effort, doesn't it? Go down to the park, get the breadcrumbs out, throw them in the pond to your arm aches. You know, takes effort. But it's not, I've got to get that bread out there. Feed. How many ducks can I get feed today? I only got 20 yesterday. Next pond, they're doing 50 ducks a day. You know? <laughs> Five loaves have gone, you know. I've only got one, and my loaf isn't good enough. <laughs> That's wrong effort. Right effort is, I love ducks. Yeah. 
You know, it's a sympathetic quality, isn't it? And it's a joyful quality. It's the giving quality. And that's, that's right effort. Yeah. So intentionality, causality, that's right view. How you do it, if you're doing it with a sense of the good and the beautiful, you do it from that place, it's going to give you the results of the good and the beautiful. If you feed one duck, you still feel, oh, great, that duck looked better. Good, I'm happy. And you're motivated. You want to do it again. If somebody says, I want you to get out and do a thousand ducks today. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Too tired. <laughs> Too much work. You lose, well, how, does, you know, how does play become work? And as something that's joyful becomes, it means we lose the resonance with it. We lose the personal involvement with what my resonance, my sympathy, my, my, up, my motivation, my eagerness can do. And I'm stretched beyond that. So eventually the point, it comes to the point when you work, it doesn't matter whether you're eager or not, you've got to do it or you're going to get fired, whether you're enthusiastic or not. So your own sympathetic resonances are completely irrelevant to getting the job done. In fact, they might be getting in the way. But with right view, we say, no, this is, this is the important bit. That what we do, we do from the principle of the feeling of the good. Right view is the, the sense of there is mother and father. We get the feeling of the, the gratitude. These, of course, are very cryptic kind of coding pieces. When we say mother, father, we mean I have been given to I have been nurtured, I have been cared for, I arise because of the dependency of others. Mm. You know. So, you know, you are my mothers because you're feeding me every day. You know? You know? So it's like the sense of we all have, you know, that which nourishes and supports us, we've received that. That which guides us and educates us teaches us the right, we've received that. When we didn't know, that wave has been introduced by another. Those powerful waveforms, patterns have been suggested and introduced by another. So we feel a sense of gratitude. What a lovely form that is. And we feel that arising in our hearts. What a lovely form that is. And then you can extend that to, you know, your religious teachers, spiritual teachers and guides. He was a father to me. She was as dear to me as my own mother. She looked after me. She gave me beautiful teachings. He listened to me. We felt his heart swelling with gratitude. This is right view. An aspect of right view. To, to experience that. Because we are beginning to just touch what are the really helpful sankharas to bear in mind that will support us that will bring us to richness take us out of our dreariness our defeatedness our compactedness our restlessness our lostness our sense of I'm on my own out here in an uncaring universe no there is the the mother, the father, not just as people in the past, but now the earth is your mother. Mm. It's feeding you. There's always the good.
people around somewhere who are friends, guides. Kalyanamita, the very important, um, one of the most important factors for awakening. Buddha said, call it the whole of the holy life. The whole of the holy life. Kalyanamita. Interesting, isn't it, that sutta? Ananda says, oh, it's good to have good friends. It must be, yeah, it must be half of the work. must be having good friends. And Buddha says, no, say not so, Ananda. The whole of the holy life is Kalyanamita. You know, I don't think the Buddha minced his words or was being nice. I think he meant something that's true. Mm. And you deepen into that, to be Kalyanamita to others, to be Kalyanamita to yourself, to be grateful, to feel the sense of the Kalyanamita. If we don't feel the Kalyana, the beautiful, the good, the admirable, where, what's going to lift us, you know? <coughs> And this very word, Kalyana, the Buddha says also, uh, the Dhamma is Kalyana in the beginning, Kalyana in the middle, Kalyana in the, fr- in the end. And it's sometimes translated as good in the beginning, or beautiful in the beginning, or admirable in the beginning. What do you do with these words? But uh, the uplifting, the lovely, in the beginning, it says there's a way out of suffering. Yeah. There's freedom, there's joy, there's truth. It's good in the middle. Meaning, there's a path here that you can work on. It works. You can get your feet on it. It's not an endless struggle. There's definite thing that's beautiful. In the end, you've you've arrived. You you've formed into that. How beautiful! How grateful we are. When something of the sense of ethical propriety has been so established that we feel very sure in it. Something, the value of good deeds has become so established, it's a waveform that's lasted, it's forming us. So that we, we don't err from that. We just don't, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel odd. It feels odd to do so. <laughs> the wrong pattern. So there is this. And the Buddha also said you should, the right view is there are those who through their own practice have realized the beyond, the ending of suffering, however you want to call it. There is that. And this is right view. To bear this in mind, is it a belief or inspiration? Oh, you know, what do these things mean? But it's there as some sense of there is a furtherance. We're not just going to be reasonable people. You know. <laughs> so we're going to be, there's a possibility for more, more than that. Mm. So we say perhaps the, the, the rarest waveform is the sacred, the realized, the awakened, the enlightened. What is that? What does that mean to us? Yeah, you know, Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, you know. People have tried to name it, to create an image for it, to inspire them. Time immemorial, the great mother, the great father. Mm. Brahma. Mm -hmm. Whatever name, colouring you put on it, you have to recognise that universally across cultures... There is this form. And what does it do? You know, 
So no matter what you call it, what's it what's, what does it do? It means something that rises up to a sense of openness, freedom. The mind is still. We feel held. There's trust. I don't know. What, what does it do to you? Perhaps, you know, is that waveform present for us? We might call it the stillness, the silence, God, you know, the vastness, the cosmos, oneness, Tao, unit, you know. Names are innumerable. But what's the form feel like? Hmm. This is what devotional practices are about. They're not about believing in anything, saying, you know, that out there. Because the problem with any wave is if you clutch it, you lose it. You can't hold a wave, can you? You can ride it, you can be touched by it. If you grasp it, it's no longer a wave. It's just a handful of water. It's lost its dynamic. If you grasp a dynamic, it's no longer dynamic. It's static. So if you grasp these things as there's only one, and Buddha is it, and God is it, and mine is this, and yours is that, and this is better than that one, then there's nothing sacred about that. That's just politics. <laughs> so then we think, well, forget them all. God, Buddha, Allah, Jesus, chuck them all out, you know. Then we don't have to do that. But then the problem is it doesn't necessarily solve the problem of grasping. We grasp at other things. We grasp at, I don't know, social democracy or something or the other. Idealism, rationalism. It doesn't stop the, the grasping. So not that any of these forms are, these are all good forms. You know? they're, all, they're all good. Uh, but then just, just, just since the devotional is the sense of just allowing yourself to be touched by anything that you can intimate or gives you the suggestion of the boundless, the peerless, the free, the open, whatever that does. That, to, to, when that suggestion, what energy arises, what happens in your heart, there's probably a quietening of thought, a stabilizing on the emotional plane, a very wide sense, uh, and you feel peaceful and trusted. Yeah. So that's just one of the waveforms. It's a sankara, it's conditioned, it's impermanent, it rolls, it changes. And like anything, any of these things, when you, if you grasp it, hold on to it as a static entity, as something that's fixed historically, in time, in any form or another, you lose it. It slips away. You're just left with a dead image, which is a tendency to happen. You know, very often it's what happens. Any religious form tends to, these are the distinct tendencies, not because of religious form, because of human grasping. So the fundamental thing is we, to understand that dynamics are present and there's a particular dynamic called grasping which messes it all up. <clears throat> what does grasping do? It freezes things makes them solid. When we're solid, there's a, there's a loss of sympathy. We've become dogmatic. Mm. We take positions. I'm this, you're that. That's the, that's the grasping. It solidifies and it separates everything to distinct lumps. Mm. There's the Buddhists and the Muslims and the Jews and so on. So, so. 
It does, does that when you grasp at these things. <coughs> There's the right and the wrong. <coughs> so then we get with this grasping comes the the position taking, the views, the conceits, the emotional qualities that occur across that, the loss of sympathy between the good and the bad, my side and your side, loss of sympathy, loss of sympathetic resonance, hardening, conflict, suffering, stress. This is the conditioning process. This is the dependent arising of suffering and stress. It's a dynamic that arises through introducing clinging, craving, and fundamentally ignorance, which is really not fully seeing and witnessing and being with and being in touch with the flow and the, of impermanence, yeah. of letting it flow, being touched, which then... The ignorance is that we see these things or experience it as some as a thing, and then the craving for more or less. You know, get rid of this thing, have this thing. So it it messes up our whole relationship or the relationship, the interrelatedness of the dynamic. So sankharas is, is important. It's, you could say it's everything. There are the skillful ones, which some right view touches into that. Fundamentally, there is such a thing as skillful and unskillful. And then you try and find out for yourself what that is, knowing the cause and effect, feel the results of certain energies, patterns, attitudes, and in yourself and others. Where does it take you? It takes you to rigidity, uh, um, negativity, loss of sympathy, hardness, suffering, then that's unskillful, isn't it? The other way to greater, greater sympathy, uh, openness, ability to learn, so forth, freedom, release, skillful. So, so these are, you know, so you're just bringing that to, into mind. Sankaras, skillful and unskillful. Now, Sankara also refers to the, pro, the dynamic processes that we experience more or less as ourself, as a body, bodily, emotional, and conceptual. The body, kaya sankara, the body energy, the body energy which is centered around the breath pattern, the breath cycle. Chitta Sankara, the high energy which is centered around feeling, you know, a quiver of feeling, how that gets us going, motivates us, and perception, felt meanings. Something means to me, friendly, hostile, dangerous, lovely, so forth, perceptions. They that's the dynamic of the heart. It operates in that particular language. It understands those those experiences. And it begins to discern those experiences as, oh, I don't want that one, I want that one. So it's... And all that is process, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the emotional tides, the feelings, the perceptions are flowing, passing through, arising, swelling, fading. 
Jit, uh, Vajji Sankara is the conceptual patterning, conceptual dynamics, this constant, kind of rather briskly whirring flow of thoughts, tumbling after another, tumbling, rising, tumbling along in a dynamic flow and stream. Mm. So that you know, so these are you can't say the thought is a solid thing; it's a, it's a continual flowing stream. Sometimes it ebbs and goes quiet; it picks up again. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, and so forth. Breathing is flowing, dynamic. Perceptions and feelings are flowing, dynamic. Thoughts are flowing and dynamic, and they're all operating together. And as they get patterned into particular established patterns, particular established patterns, same old thoughts, here we are again, same familiar emotional patterns, me getting upset, me feeling this, me feeling that, then the me comes in as I am this pattern. Because what is familiar and repeated seems to be a constant, stable self. Right? So if we say, who, who, who are you then? Who are you? And you go, oh yeah, I'm Gillian. Okay. No, 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 who are you? Well, I'm a 35-year-old woman from Rotherham. Okay. No, 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 no. Who, who really are you? Well, I'm a sort of rather upset, trying the best I can housewife with two kids. You know? Okay, no, really, but right now, how, who are you? Yeah, well, I'm in this state of you know, gradually, the more deeper you go, we come into our, our patterns. I'm always trying the best I can. I'm overworked. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, I feel a lot about this. We feel in our concerns, our joys, our inspirations. And then you say you really know the person, don't you, when you've got their, their emotional, psychological pattern. And that's what, you know, when we're friends, we start to, to know that. And uh, you know, we know this is not just the name, you know, the person. Because they know they're patterning. And so I can trust so and so because I, his pattern is good. He's a reliable person or honest or whatever. Or I can't trust so and so because he's very erratic, reckless. <coughs> so you know the person, you know their patterning. So it, because it's familiar and you know it and they know it, <laughs> that's who they are. And this, of course, is the, the near mistake. Because it's sort of true, it's roughly true, but it does freeze us into that pattern. We we get hypnotized by our patterns, we feel we are them. What's there to do, really? It just goes on, doesn't it? (laughs) Same old me again. So, yeah. So this this is a form of clinging. It means that which was in dynamic has taken to be a solid thing called a person or a personality. And yeah, that you could say yeah, accurately there are these repeated trends, but it doesn't mean it's a solid thing. If we look at a uh, mountain stream and you see this water rolling down, running over the rocks, certain vortices and swirls appear in that stream. And day after day, they will appear in that stream, those same vortices and swirls. You could photograph one of those vortices. You say, there it is. It's this definite shape there. There it is. Hmm. Yeah. Took the rock out. Where did it go? What did you do to that vortex? Did you chop it out? Did you? No, I didn't. I just took the rock out and from the stream. The vortex disappeared. Hmm. What happens if it doesn't rain and the water dries up? 
Where did the vortex go then? You didn't do anything with the vortex. You didn't condemn it, you didn't praise it, you didn't try and fix it. You just looked underneath to what's creating it, said, well, what happens if I just shift that rock? Then that vortex disappears. So this is when we do uh, uh, insight. (laughs) So calming, samatha, is just calming how much water comes down that valley. A nice steady flow. So those vortexes get more peaceful, more, more simple, more quiet. Just nice pleasant little swirls, gentle flowing swirls. The so calming is this quietening. And when it, when it gets like that, when the river is calmer or more, cal- more, more uh, uh, soft and smooth and it's swirling, then it's possible to get in there. If it's a raging torrent, you don't want to deal with it. But if it's calmer, then you can get into that water. So let's just dig around inside here. What seems to be underneath this thing? Oh, no, there's a big rock there. Hmm. Oh, well, yes, shift that. Get, oh, 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 there he goes. <laughs> Something like that. You know. So inside is that is that penetration of what does this thing depend upon? What is this sankara formed from? But it does, you need, in order to have that, you've got to bear in mind that the, the constant aspiration, the constant gift of realization that sabe sankara anicca, all sankaras are impermanent. You may have heard that. Think, what does that mean? This is what it means. It means that you don't have to be who, you, who you've been being for the last years. You know, and you don't have to annihilate yourself or judge yourself or try and fix yourself because then you're just meddling with the vortex and as soon as you get your hands out it will just come back again because you haven't dealt with the underlying form, structure that's uh, causing that vortex so for this first of all we have to accept it as it is so, you know, rather than going into the, into the muddle and the turmoil of it, we just lift, get the whole picture, see the pattern of it. Here's me going through that, can't do this, never can do this, can't stand this another minute, swirl. You know? <laughs> you know? Doesn't work for me. Oh, you know this one, that little tape is ready to play. Defeated tape, put that one on. And there's a particular pattern, it's so familiar, you know it, you know how to play it, you can really dance with it, go along with it. And you go into that, hmm. And you lift, you think, well, is this very plausible? I can't do this because of, well, too busy, too tired, too old, too young, too lively, too sleepy, too grumpy, not clear enough, not pure enough not wise enough, not straight enough, not kind enough, not compassionate enough, you name it, it's all there. And as soon as you keep thinking those things, and that vortex is going to get steadier and steadier because you keep retraining yourself into that. You keep re, you know, emphasizing the waveform. Yeah. And so a lot of the time we're meditating, we're just actually basically retraining our obsessions. <laughs> We're not necessarily meditating while sitting still. 
<laughs> just going into your patterns again. This is not meditation. <laughs> meditation is the essential thing is viveka. It's not even calm. Calm may come later on, hopefully. But the first thing is viveka. Just step back, will you? You know, get the big picture. So if you remember right view, it says there is the possibility for awakening. You do have mother, father. There is the nourishing and the good. It's been shown to you. It's been given to you. Don't just sit into that particular defeated, hopeless pattern or whatever it is. You know, it's just one of them, of course. So just the kind of lift, lift. And then there are others who have gone this way. Many others who have been down that same old route of misery and despair and so forth. You know, when you read some of these stories of these practitioners, horrible things they had endured and lived through, you know, betrayal and disaster and violence and so forth that had been done to them, or that they'd done. You know, Angulimala apparently killed 999 people. He must have had a bit of turbulence in his mind at the end of that. <laughs> They didn't come in squeaky clean. <laughs> and yet, apparently, he's become an arahant. So, you know, you recognize, we, well, you haven't done that, have you? Anybody done a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, this, I think this is even more inspiring <laughs> than the Buddha, actually. Because you think, gee, well, well, he must have had some bit of negative karma to shift, or vipaka, rather, results. And yet, somehow, coming out of that, this is this, this is that. And must have had to listen to a lot of residues, a lot of disturbing moods and emotions and regrets and doubts, and yet widening, softening, holding it. Not self, not self. It's just a pattern, it's a program. Not self. Don't get mesmerized by it. You know. And then deepening into what is the calming, what is the true, what is the good, what is the beautiful. You know. So you, you form this alternative wave current to help contradict the incredible pull of those, those vortexes, those vortices, the hypnotic dynamic pull of them into your, your, the meanness, the old pattern, the old constriction, the old rage, the old misery. You know? and then, and then, so my sense of this is, is actually you've got to, my feeling you've got to work on all levels really. That's just my take on it. So body, you know, actually widening, strengthening, brightening the body, uh, breathing in and out, that's the bodily formation. You get the bodily formation, the bodily energy, the bodily dynamic to become that which is bright and supportive. You know, anapana, mindfulness of breathing, but really, you know, really making it as fully advantageous and optimal as possible. So it's not something you have to struggle over, but it comes to you, which comes when your body is balanced and alert and you're tuned in to body energy heart energy when you set up a wave current which is of the good the beautiful the loving the compassionate to just move against the cynical the depressed the negativity of our minds or the craving of a mind the modest that which can realize I can let it go that's the free setting up uh, careful uh, thought patterns. So, so reflecting on impermanence, reflecting, as the other day, reflecting on gratitude, deliberately thinking it through, 
deliberately thinking it through the people you've helped or have helped you skillful deeds the good that you did today the bad that you could have done but didn't so careful thought reflecting on death we're going to pass away one day it may be today death doesn't often leave you a lot of warning and just suddenly bang people die in the monastery every day there's chanting for somebody who's dead my son died at nine meningitis they don't just take old people who finish their business at 98 years old death comes and says nine year old I'm having you you know 20 20 years old caught in a tsunami crash 25 years old depressed killed himself 25 years old depressed killed himself at 25 jeez every day so we reflect on that think this may be the last what I want to do with it do I want to just worry about the future regret the past complain about myself (laughs) whatever you know I don't want to say the good the true the beautiful let's live it for one day this may be the last. If it was the last day, would you, would you think, let's do the good, the true, the beautiful, just because that's the best way to go out. Yeah. So a true practitioner lives with death as on their shoulder, never forgets it. So if you've been so petty, holding on to grudges, you know, stop some of the clinging when you realise you can't hold on. It's going to go. So we use wise reflection. This is what the thinking faculty can do rather than the various forms of thought forms that can arise about, you know, you name it. We only saw Manisikara, wise reflection, deep attention. And then the deep attention, what is this supposition, this attitude, what is it depending upon? What's this sense of self depending upon you? Incline it insightfully. So these are the, some of the skillful sankharas, skillful forms, skillful dynamics. And the beauty of it is that every dynamic, as it becomes more established, becomes a kind of structure. It's a soft structure. Yeah. It becomes like a, like a, to say, the body when it's standing properly is a soft standing. It's not frozen, rigid, it's not locked. When it stands softly, it connects to the ground there's a sense of, you know, the physical forms belong to, to the earth. You know, we connect to that. We feel a sense of support and strength in that. Soft. When we lock up, we cut ourselves off. Mm-hmm. Same thing we do it in the heart. If you cut things off, you, you know, other people off, or yourself off, if you leave yourself out, you cut yourself off from grace, from beauty, you know, from hope, from aspiration. This is really damaging. You, know? you are part of the good. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. <laughs> you are part of the good. You know, there is that form for you. So just to tune into to that, to remember that. This is our courage our constant act of faith 
despite, you know, the defilements, the calaces, the grogginess, the irritability, the can't be bothered or whatever that arise in the mind, you know, yeah, that's that's the that's the negative torrent. Where's the good current? You know, which is also part of what we inherit. This is right view. And the Buddha said, this is the one thing. So, you know, if you look at the one thing that's necessary, it's not mindfulness, it's not samadhi, it's not insight. You know, those are essential, but the one really essential thing is right view. Everything depends upon that. So otherwise, you know, if you don't have right view, your samadhi becomes another performance experience. Another, I've got to get there experience. Your, your tendency to nibbana becomes another one of those. I've got to get nibbana How nibbana are you? I'm more nibbana than you are. He's the most nibbana person. You know, can women be as nibbana as men? You know, all this sort of stuff comes in. <laughs> so we, we don't want any of that. Yeah. Self, self, separateness. So, based on Karanicha, all conditions, all formations are impermanent. So, this means not everything's going to fall apart. It means when everything is uncertain, everything is possible. Nietzsche means uncertain, not fixed. When nothing is fixed, things are possible. There's potential. There's potential. We can change, we can shift it. Now, two particular um, sankharas. Again, this is another level of it that are, that uh, we we use a lot in meditation. We perhaps don't even know it what they are. One is attention. Believe it or not, attention is a wave. Attention is a wave. You get enthusiastic. You in, you attend. Now I've been talking fifty-five minutes. It's probably like I've had enough. <laughs> Attention starts to dissolve, doesn't it? It's a shame. Because <laughs> this is the ultimate truth. And you think, oh, I'm tired, I want the ultimate truth, I've had enough. <laughs> so your attention is a wave that can kind of rise and peak if it's interested enough, and then after a while it's just... <laughs> so it's a sankara, it's impermanent like everything else. Intention is the sense of motivation. And most of us, you know, I'm sure we come. I want to come to this retreat. I want to go on this retreat. It's a strong intention to come on the retreat. Can I do the retreat? I don't know. I, don't know. I think I'll, yeah, I'll try for it. Day one, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. Intention turns the other way. Next, well, I'll try again. Intention comes back again. That was interesting what he said. Oh, your intention goes that way. Oh, the pain in my knees. I can't stand it another day. Intention goes another way. <laughs> so, it's, it's a, so it's the same car. It changes a lot, doesn't it? Shifts and changes. Yeah. But so how? But then we recognise that you realise, you know, you just got to keep repriming it. You know, you got to keep coming back to, yeah, yeah, I know it's difficult. Yeah, I know it's difficult. I know it hurts. It's difficult. But there is, 
the good, just a little more patience. There is the beautiful. You can just find a way to tune into that. It doesn't last that. The pain, is, the difficulty is difficult. But it's like anything. You know, when you've got a headache, you think, oh, I can't stand this, and I've got another moment, and when it's gone, you think, oh, this wasn't much after all. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one of those things. When you've got a cold, you know, oh, I'm miserable, I'm going to die, I've got a cold. <laughs> You get over it, you think, oh, I feel fine. So where did that go? Hmm? And then deading your, so you've got to keep repriming it. Uh, uh, and then attention, so as I was saying, you know, flex, getting the attention flexible. Because you can't hold it steady, because it's not a fixed thing. See, something like, yeah, it's not interested. Not interested. Okay, well, let's just turn it to something where there's a bit more inspiration. Fed up with breathing in and out. Life's got to be more than that. Okay, well, turn your attention to something that gives you the gladness or the uplift. Could be metabhavana, could be recollections. Attention gets a chance to attend to something different, perhaps draw in other influences that brighten the mind, make you feel happy. Okay, let's see how that's feeling in terms of, because I'm still breathing, how does that, when I, that feel in terms of the breath or the breathing or the body or whatever? Learning to keep your attention as something that can flex from being quite wide and spacious to being narrow, sharp, defined, flexing your attention. Mm. So, you know, so when you do, if you're focusing on a physical object like the sensations in your body, if your attention has the energy in it, all these dynamics are energetic. So if, if your attention just gets very rigid, it has a certain effect in terms of your energy and your attitudes. So what is a tension that's calming and kindly, flexing and supportive, steady but not frozen? This is a very important piece to establish in meditation because we think we can take attention for granted, just look at it. But it's more like a hand than an eye. It's more like a hand than an eye. You hold it, but also you feel it Whoops, this is a bit too hard, you're going to kill it. The Buddha likened it to holding a bird, the way one should attend, like holding a bird, the feathers, the warm body, the beating heart of the bird. If you hold it too tight, you kill it. Hold it too loose, it flutters away. That's how you should attend. That. So it's, it's getting a bit light, so just give it a little more space, and now... Hold it again. This is how you attend. So the result of that is Sankara's dynamics. Karma is the dynamic of ethics, intentions. Don't want to start another topic. But there is a result even from learning to attend carefully and wisely, is that you feel less obsessive, you feel lighter, you feel, okay, we can start again. You know, if you don't expect your meditation to be just totally rock-solid, unflinching, unwavering, you know, then you're able to do the necessary, which is to learn how to flex, to begin again, to pause to release, to let go completely, to pick it up again, start again. 
And that in the long run is going to have a calming effect, a confident effect, rather than unwavering mindfulness totally 24 hours a day fixated on the breath, which is probably going to drive you to a nervous breakdown. Maybe, maybe not. So I tend to take the, when I do Ranapana, I take the breathing. First of all, I just, what does the breathing want to do? You know, rather than how I'm going to focus on it, can I feel it at all? How and what kind of attention can hold that? What, what's the kind of attention that can be with that? First of all, it's maybe just, the sensation in the belly or the flowing, as it steadies, I realize, as it becomes more steady, the attention can firm up around it, stabilize around it, one particular place. Yeah. At times it needs to spread, at times it needs to be stabilized and stilled, at times it needs to move through the entire body to refresh it, sometimes there's times when it needs to just quiet and ride down to go to one point. Hmm? And it's through obeying the dynamics, acting dynamically, obeying it, that you begin to get this sympathetic unification of the mind, which we call samadhi. Mm. 